the Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live, and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Derek McCarson, the Four Horsemen. Years ago, the great theologian and philosopher Yogi Berra made a quip. He said, the future ain't what it used to be. And maybe you feel that way today as you see the direction that our world seems to be heading. For example, let me just uh, read a few headlines that indicate in the coming years that the battle for humanity's future may be pitting man against machine. Uh, The Atlantic, not exactly a uh, Christian publication, but in September 21st, 2018, they ran the following story. Here was the headline, why you're probably getting a microchip implant someday. And the article went on to explain how tech companies in the U.S. and even entire uh, countries in Europe are encouraging their people to be implanted with RFID chips into their bodies um, so they can be seamlessly integrated with their computers and gadgets. And then here's another article. November 2018, the Washington Post reported about a lecture that the billionaire innovator Elon Musk, who is of SpaceX and Tesla Motors, he gave a speech on artificial intelligence, and he said this, quote, to avoid becoming like monkeys, humans must merge with machines. And then Elon Musk laid out a grand vision for mankind's future in which our brains will be hardwired and connected to the internet and he argued that humans have to merge with ai to create a symbiosis that leads to what he called a democratization of intelligence now if all of this sounds like science fiction um it could be that it is right now but people are working on this to make it science fact And these stories are just the tip of the steadily growing iceberg that's called transhumanism. Maybe you've heard that word carried about in social media or in sci-fi movies, but it's actually a real thing. It's garnered the attention of some very brilliant minds and the investment of millions and millions of dollars. So what does that mean and how does it affect us? That's going to be our topic here today on... The Four Horsemen podcast, we have Dennis Thurman, Benjamin Kerfman, Adam Black, myself, Derek McCarson, and a special guest, Chris Estep, joining us in the studio here this evening to talk about transhumanism. So what does that even mean? Well, here's a definition from Wikipedia, and it says, Transhumanism is an international philosophical movement that advocates for the transformation of the human condition by developing and making widely available sophisticated technologies to greatly enhance human intellect and physiology. So think of melding human biology and technology, or to maybe borrow a, a term from the 90s, plugging into the matrix. It's that, that uh, melding of man and machine together. Uh, there are several 
folks who are on the cutting edge uh, talking about this. Ray Kurzweil has one um, name. Stephen Hawking talked about it but a lot before he passed. We mentioned Elon Musk. Um, but one thing you need to know about transhumanism is that it's all fixated around this event that's been dubbed the singularity, which um, is being predicted as an event that's coming to the future uh, about the year 2030. And they say that the singularity is uh, an event that's going to happen in uh, the year 2030 or maybe sooner in which artificial intelligence will cause machines to become smarter than human beings. And so when they say that when that happens, the next step for humanity to evolve will be to meld human intelligence with artificial intelligence. So I know this sounds like the Twilight Zone, and it's way far out in the left field, but um, it's growing, and it's probably more popular than maybe you might realize, and so it's going to uh, be here before you know it. In fact, we already have the first steps of it happening in our world. Uh, if you have an iPhone, chances are it's probably unlocked by fingerprint, or if you have a, one of the newer models, by facial recognition. So some of this technology, we're already taking baby steps there. Maybe you have an Echo, and you have a personal assistant there that you talk to, uh, Alexa. Alexa. And so we're seeing technology become more and more integrated into our daily lives. So we might as well just go ahead and make it part of our bodies, at least. That's the argument of transhumanism. So we're going to be talking about this in detail, how it intersects with our daily lives. Uh, how do we look at it from a Christian standpoint? And what does that mean for ministry? Um, so let's just open up the floor before we get into some specific questions. Uh, you guys, go ahead and weigh in, um, throw in your thoughts, your two cents, um, whatever is on your mind. Well, my, you, go ahead. My, my initial thought would be that uh, this is, again, a religious matter. Now, they're going to brand it as science, and certainly science is involved. I'm not trying to pit those two against the other. There's truths uh, in science, certainly. All truth is God's truth, but... What we're looking at here is an attempt of a human being to become God and to have eternal life apart from God. It is approached with the same zeal as religion. It has its certain tenets and philosophies to follow. But the end goal is I can be self-sufficient. I can live independent. I don't need God. Uh, I can become this person who's immortal. When I start breaking down, uh, you know, I just get a replacement part. When, and so to me, that is the, the ultimate. And uh, you know, I was just noticing here uh, an article about a lady who had left her uh, religion, her evangelical faith behind, her God behind in the pursuit of transhumanism. Uh, in that void in her heart, when she stepped away and, quote, lost her faith, she filled it but with another faith, but it was faith in the machine and mm -hmm. science and technology and all of that. And, and so she's just wide open pursuing that. And I, and I think really to me, that's, that's the issue. Well, I, I, I'm, this has been something that I've been listening to and studying for a little bit. And, and it was really based upon a, a podcast I listened to about, and it was talking about technology and uh, just, for example, self-driving cars. 
And uh, he, the guy that I listened to is actually, he's a presidential candidate. I think his name's Andrew Yang, I want to say. Yang Gang 20. Yeah. And um, he was talking about pretty extensively on this stuff and, and what his idea is, and that has been backed up from Elon Musk and, and these other people, is that artificial intelligence will basically take over the workforce in, in not so many years. And I know for for myself, I know our company just bought a multi-million dollar robot that can basically do everything that a man can do from grabbing the beam to moving the beam to cutting the beam to drilling the beam to welding the beam can do absolutely everything. And Andrew Yang was talking about that one of the first industries that will be gone uh, from human is the trucking industry that that the trucking industry if you think about it if if the trucking industry doesn't need truck drivers that they can just load trucks up and just up and down the roads constantly that's going to be the first industry so we what Derek was talking about seems far-fetched but the reality is it's here it, it's coming and it's coming fast and Elon Musk even made the statement that he's a fatalist, that he, he believes, and, and this is where you get crazy with science fiction, but he believes artificial intelligence will end up controlling the world, and there's even thoughts that that's why he's creating SpaceX to go to another planet. And right. That sounds crazy, but that well, is the reason why. he's made the statement right. that the reason why we need a colony on Mars is it's for like life insurance for the, uh, it's a safety net, rather. Well, NASA's, I saw the video the other day, NASA is officially setting a goal of 2023 to start colonizing the moon. Well, let's back up for a second because I've touched on it, Adam, you've touched on it. And the first thing that I always get when I broach this subject with people who maybe aren't that conversant with it or it's a new idea for them is, this is impossible. There is no way that this is ever going to happen. Just like my grandmother said, nobody ever go to the moon. Yeah, but think about this just for a second. All right, for those of you that remember the time before the internet, all right, the 80s, 90s. That would be me. uh, Yeah. Did you ever think... Chris is actually in his 80s. (laughs) Did you ever think that, you know, if you watch Star Trek and you you saw Spock and Kirk communicate with that pocket communicator, did you ever think that there would be a time where you would actually have that in your hand and be able to FaceTime people and have all of human knowledge at your fingertips with just... A few strokes of a key, uh, a few keystrokes. Dick Tracy watch. Yes. I, mean, I was just absolutely. about to say the same thing. Apple I was looking iWatch. at my, my, my iWatch here. Yep. It's like I had a Dick Tracy watch when I was a kid. <laughs> yep. And I always used to think, say, man, it would be so cool if this was real. Yeah. You know, and now, I mean, it's, like, I, I remember, it goes I mean, that fast. I'm almost 32, so I'm not even that old. And I can remember as a kid watching 2001 Space Odyssey where they would talk to people How on 9, the screens. Well, or they, but they would, they would video call yeah. people. And I was like, man, that would be so cool. But it's like, I can remember having dial up internet with a Juno email address and being able to email my aunt and she can get it across the state in like 30 minutes. And I thought that was like mind blowing, <laughs> you know? And now it's like, if, if something on your phone takes more than half a second, you're like getting mad at it. So yeah. one of the things that is underneath the, the singularity is this thing called Moore's law, which says that, you know, technology is exponentially growing and as the snowball goes down the hill it picks up momentum and gets bigger and we're on we're on that journey and as adam said if you think it's impossible well you're already behind because a lot of it is already here that's just what we know about right well and and you and you get the the prophetic (laughs) nature of the terminator movies 
Skynet, where the machines essentially began to say humans are viruses and we've got to get rid of them. And, And so that's the whole thing about transhumanism. People don't realize that leads to becoming post-human, <laughs> that you move mm-hmm. to the machine and the machine is going to say, you know, we don't need these these people because that's the next step of artificial intelligence. When the they start the to feel and the think same for way. themselves. We're just going to farm humans. That they'll become a, batteries. A, a, like well, that's the yeah. fear that Elon Musk has is that artificial intelligence will be weaponized. That that's He says that's where he has a fatalist mentality. That somebody's going to get hold of it. And, um but the singlet, the the part you were talking about, the integration, um, and how we've got to quote unquote, we have to do that in order to stay above, you know, have a shot, have mm-hmm. a chance. Um, you know, some of that that I've read, you know, I've I've talked um, some of the stuff I've read from just cell phones in the future was basically you won't even have a device that you'll have, you know, something and it's almost like a mental, you can talk sure. and it'll you know, it'll plug in and, and that type of thing. So that it's not that far off. And I mean, we think, you know, the chips and, you know, that type of stuff, but we all, we all have chips now. I mean, the phones basically, you know, I mean, they have I all mean, our information. You can buy and, stuff on the internet right now that straps to your head and uses your brain signals to control a laptop. I mean, you can actually like buy it for like 300 bucks and basically, check your email and do everything just with your brain. Right. Like, I mean, that that's like on the market right now. That's not even cutting edge stuff. But I mean, this stuff is out there. Well, the crazy Go thing ahead. too, of like with the culture that we're in of like everybody wanting to be their own individual. It's like, you know, I'm not going to have my life controlled by anybody else. I'm going to make my own decisions. You know, the government can't even keep, you know, people from cloning numbers and calling my cell phone to sell me insurance all day long. How are they ever going to control something? If everybody has a chip implanted in their minds, you know, that allows them to be part of this singularity, you know that I mean, the, the, the first immediate thing is going to happen is somebody's going to figure out how to hack this system where immediately you've got control of all of this. I mean, you're, you're basically moving away from this idea of being an individual to just all being oh, this sure. collective unity. Yes. It reminds me, like I think about the scene in iRobot with Will Smith where he's in the car and it's a self-driving car and basically somebody wants to make it look like he gets in a car accident so they hack the car and lock the doors and all that. The reality is you can do that with a Tesla. Like people can hack a, tel- a Tesla and the self-driving features on it and do all kinds of stuff with it. And so, I mean, you just, there, there's the idea of security. Ultimately security is illusion because however much security you have, there's somebody that invented that. There's somebody that's beyond that. And then the problem is, is, is like what you guys have alluded to is, what happens with AI when it gets smarter than a person and you think that you've built the fail-safe hand or you've built something in to control it and it's actually controlling you and you don't even know it. Yep. And the, the other aspect of this too, and we've kind of hit at this in the past, just in general conversations, not on the podcast, but what what's already beginning to happen and there's been movies about it, there's been television shows about it, about relationships, human having a relationship with artificial intelligence movie come out in 2013. Joaquin Phoenix was the main character was called her and he fell in love with artificial intelligence. One of the hit shows uh, on uh, Netflix, black mirror does a whole episode about this technology. I want you to think about this because it's, I, I think it could be possible eventually, but this guy and girl were married. Uh, the guy gets killed. Um, this is like in the future. He he dies in a car wreck. 
this woman tells this girl about this new technology that's out there that all she has to do is download her computer to this network. Basically, it connected to his phone, his computer, everything, and created artificial intelligence of her husband. And so her husband could call her or she could call her husband and have these conversations based on this artificial mm-hmm. intelligence. Mm-hmm. But but that's what's happening. Even, you know, the I was, was even reading a thing, article about the porn industry is already trying to get into this this avenue of you know this right and so it's it's here (laughs) yeah so they're already warning now they're already they're already developing uh technology uh to weaponize deep fakes which is basically a computer generated image and sound of a person that looks so real that you can't actually tell whether it's the person or not so uh like governments are starting to use this against each other where they'll create a facebook page for a political candidate Mm -hmm. and that political candidate will have a video on there stating some position that that person really doesn't agree with, but it looks and sounds exactly like them. And the graphics are so advanced on it that your eye can't even tell whether it's computer generated or not. And so then it's going to become, you know, well, I saw the president on the internet say such and such. Well, it's not really the president. It's actually North Korea or somebody that Mm -hmm. made that up. But, the government is actively right now trying to figure out technologies to detect those technologies. And so it's, it's turning into the point where uh, we won't even be able to tell what's real and what's not real. Well, and, and, and that's actually happened recently. Uh, and it doesn't even take a great uh, degree of technology uh, because people have a certain predisposition. You know, we have this filter uh, that we see things through. And so I think it was Belgium where they're, uh, they put an image of Trump on there talking about Belgium and all this stuff. And it was actually Trump, and it wasn't even very good. But there was all kind of outrage. You know, people just, you know, on social media lighting it up, just going nuts over the latest Trump escapades. It, it, it was a fake, and obviously a fake. But, but I think, you know, when you were asking, Derek, kind of where we're at on it, I think this issue is way more important. I, I think there's not nearly enough people in the church that are aware of this or are thinking about it. But it is, it's a serious issue, and we're not talking right. about even five, ten years down the road. We're talking about six months to a year. Like, parents now need to be having conversations about this with their kids. Otherwise, their kid is going to end up in a relationship and potentially even a sexual relationship with an AI within the next couple of years. And uh, like you were talking about with the advancement of pornography and things like that, it's going to get to a point where, I mean, we're already to a point where marriage is pretty much going to be non-existent in the next generation. Like my kids will be totally unusual for actually getting married because people don't see the need for it. But when it comes to relationships in general, just being able to replace human relationships altogether is something that most parents right now, that's not even on their radar Mm -hmm. to talk to their kids about, but it is coming. Well, and and parents are succumbing to that in that they are already letting their kids be in a relationship with their iPhones, their iPads, Mm -hmm. all of that kind of technology. The kids are conversant with it, and they become immersed in that, and it's so addictive to to them. It it changes even their their brain chemistry they're they're discovering. So setting up for that very thing you're talking about. Well, even, and and I was listening to a lot of podcasts. I sit in quiet at work, but... Um, this guy's written a book called the technological minimalist or something like that, but he was even talking about adults and how the psychology of just social media, Facebook and the addiction to that and why there's an addiction to that, because it's like, you can live this, uh, you can escape reality by, by portraying yourself in a certain way 
on social media and getting gratification from social media and and that that even adults are trying to go to this technology to to find their quote unquote identity and living through that. And you think about some of the sim games and or even, you know, Call of Duty and some of the video games. You're you're living in this alternative world that and people they, they thrive and there's an addiction to it. So I you know, we're there. We're absolutely there. And I think it that we have to be talking about it. One of the things that the church has to be talking about and people aren't talking about is people are going to start losing their jobs. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be something that, you know, Chris and I went through Taco Bell on the way here and, and the, the person working in the, in the window just, I mean, hates their life. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just like, you literally ask them how they're doing. Like I'm here, Rona, you know? And it's, it's like, okay, that kiosk that they just installed in Taco Bell mm-hmm. is way more polite than you are and doesn't mess my order up. I was so the- next time, the the app on my phone is getting my business and you are not getting my business and you're probably not going to have a job in about six months. Yeah, I saw that same thing this weekend. I went to Franklin, Tennessee, and I stopped in the McDonald's and I was that was first time I'd seen it, but I, I, my jaw almost dropped when I walked in. There was one cash register that was actually controlled by a person. And then in place of that was two kiosks where you walked up, placed your order, didn't talk to anybody, put your card in, and it was all done right there. And you and that's that's the beginning. That's yeah. where it starts. Well, you and you almost wonder if it's going to come to the point like the advances in virtual reality have become so. I mean, it's like you were talking about being immersed in that. I remember like two years ago when we were at the Southern Baptist Convention, one of the uh, one of the booths they had a virtual reality headset that you could put on. And it would show you all these different scenes and things. And I, I forget what they were trying to promote, but Ben and I were there and it was another pastor friend of ours who was with us and he put the headset on. Well, they were displaying on the TV what he was viewing. And in the, in the headset, he was like on top of a skyscraper and you were kind of walking along the edge and you could look all around and then you could peer off the edge. So I waited till he got right to the edge of the building and I went up behind him and I just pushed him and grabbed him. And, and he acted... Mm. Just like yeah. he was falling oh, yeah. off of a yeah, building, sure. because you're so immersed in that, and it looks so right. real right. that you can't, you, your brain can't discern from that, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think ultimately what we're going to see is, you know, you're going to see people who withdraw themselves so much from the real world because they can immerse themselves in a world where they can feel content about themselves. Everything goes the way they mm-hmm. want it to. They can find happiness and peace and all these other things they're looking for without ever having to have contact with another human being. The, the movie Surrogates is all about that, yeah. right? Where they have these robotic versions of themselves that look however they want and do whatever they want, and they basically just live in their... Uh, the movie Wally, mm-hmm. the kids' movie, right? Wow. They're, they're just fat people sitting around. In I've chairs. only watched that movie a million times yeah. in my house. <laughs> but it's like they're just sitting around in, kids in chairs it. drinking soda, you know, and and driving through Walmart or whatever they're doing, you know, and uh, and they think that that is like the epitome of what they're doing. But they, there's this whole theme of basically transcending that. Elon Musk and some of these other guys actually speculate that everyone that we are all in a simulation right now and don't know it. There's actually mathematicians the and stuff. They're they're actually trying to do math problems to figure out if they can get to the end of like imaginary numbers and stuff. Then it proves that they're actually in a simulation because they've been able to outcalculate the simulation. <laughs> and so there's there's like mathematicians and stuff that are that. legitimately <laughs> devoting their lives to proving that we're inside of a machine right now. Well, in, and that, in, and that's not we're not talking about unrespectable people, right? We're talking about people that know what they're talking about and are saying, "I think that I'm in a simulation right now." Well, and I don't know the impact 
to the church? Well, there is one. I can throw it out there right now. It's called digital church. Yep. In I was fact, just getting ready to say the fact, same thing. I just, Virtual church. I just read an article last week. It was on Fox News. It was an op-ed piece. And the guy writing it basically said, church as you know it is done. Mm-hmm. And the next step is digital church where you sit at home on your device and you log on and you vicariously experience church through that, whatever that means. But basically what he was saying was that this idea of gathering together in a building with other warm bodies to worship and hear preaching, and that's that's going away. And now it's digital church. Well, and, and, and we're catering to that. Right. I mean, I mean just like uh, we, we did our uh, – we had our service yesterday at our church. Let's see if I can find it here. And there we had about – we were probably 40 people. And we had probably uh, – we had – 87 people watch the service. So, you know, it, it is the future. And I've even had a conversation with a friend of mine. who. But felt, is that church? I don't think so. No, I, I don't think don't so either. So, so what about this, though, even <laughs> even beyond that? So Life Church, yeah. uh, where Craig O'Shell's at, they had a Second Life campus in 2007, which Second Life was a virtual reality world where you can build things, you walk around, you do all these kind of things. That had its, It even had its own currency that you can... Uh, people were actually making millions of dollars U.S. off of property sales and things like that in the digital world. And so Second Life purchased eight acres of property digitally and built a Life Church campus that they simulcasted to. And I actually went to it uh, in like 2010, 2011. And you walk around, they've got pastors on staff that are there in the building with their avatars all the time. They've got a coffee bar. They've got a gift shop where you can buy T-shirts for your person to wear um, to do that. I mean, they had like the whole deal. And you go in and you sit down in the auditorium and they broadcast the exact same message. That so they just to, to be clear, campuses. this is a church that purchased digital space in yes. an imaginary world Yes, to have their church presence in that digital and, world. And employed full-time staff just to be the campus pastor of that church. The same way that they would any of their other multi-site campuses. Yeah, I just want to and, be clear on that so that our listeners can. And can, that was in two thousand and seven. Seek in. Seek right. in. And, and we're and not that, even talking about modern. That that yeah. was old technology. Yeah. They were one of they were one of the first ones to do digital church. Right now they're working on VR church, so you can wear a VR headset and you actually see video of a church, like you're you're actually there, right? Um, doing that real time. Yeah, and and I, it would not surprise me at all if the advance of technology that you'd get to the place there if you were having a baptism where you would feel wet. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, the, virtual, there was an article yeah. on it, it scrolled past on Facebook or somewhere the other day of of, of a pastor who had performed a virtual baptism right, right. in in one of these you know right. water. Yeah. Yeah, but but it's one of those things. Okay, so for instance, if my avatar in Second Life gets baptized at that service, am I baptized? <laughs> now, most people would say, "Well, that's ridiculous." That's a real question that we have to ask. That's the point of this episode. Is those are things that we really do need to think about because it's here. It's not coming. Right. It's here. Because if you just take a memorial view of well, it's just spiritual. Well, spiritually, I felt like I was being baptized and I was committed. So then, spiritually, it's real for me, even if I didn't get wet. Right. There's a lot of people that would make that argument. Well, here, here's something for us, and and I'm uh, I'm thinking through this. Um, but for example, all of us, do you you guys do online? Like you don't you have your services we have a lot online? Of stream, yeah. Okay, and you're you're all going back to that eventually. Mm-hmm. You post your it, stuff yeah. online. Mm-hmm. The question is, should we? Are we catering 
to not assembling together. I know for me personally, the reason, the the number one reason we do it, and I would say it's the number one through 10 reason, is I have literally had our shut-ins ask that we do that sure. because they cannot come. It's the that same is thing our primary us. reason for doing it. Right. However, there's 80-something people <laughs> that are watching it. Okay. Well, and I think part of it will have to be with each individual church that you make it clear to your people that you know this this exists, and you, and you can't do anything about the people that watch it that are not members of your right. church. You know, but you make it clear it's like this watching this video service. Unless you're a shut in who cannot physically come to church, if you have this, Ebola, this doesn't this it. doesn't make up for you coming in a physical presence together with the mm-hmm. saints of Christ. It's like if, if you are physically able to do this, you need to be here. Right. You know, because you know. The outside world, you know, people. There's going to be a lot of people who that's they consider that their church, and you're never going to know their names. You right. know, they're just going to watch your service and call that their church and just go on. Right. You know, but we have to. They we just have need to, be, to tie that they do that. Yeah, but I think we have to be very clear <laughs> with our own people so that they don't fall. Get online giving. Maybe they, they, they can tie with Bitcoin. But, but to me, I, <laughs> right. I, I get the whole thing of, of where Paul said. I preached about this yesterday in First Corinthians nine uh, to be all things to all men that I might by all means win some. Right. And so there might be people in places in the world where you cannot get a missionary to them. Right. But yes, you can. Mm-hmm. If they have access to the internet or yeah. some well, other means. We like have that. you know, we, we put our sermons on sermon audio, just the, the audio portion, and every month we get a, a feedback list of like where those sermons were listened to. And and every month, you know, we have, you know, we'll have twenty or thirty states, but we'll have 15 to 20 to 25 different countries around the world. Oh, yeah. Same thing for us. People have yeah. found our, wow. our messages and are listening to them. That's yeah, I mean, I just looked the other day because I was on there putting some sermons on, and, like, there's some sermons that we have that have 50 or 60 plays on them. And I know it's not our members because most of our members don't go on there, and I'm like, I have no idea who these people are or whether they're saved or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Need to get on yeah. So um, sermon is, is, and I would recommend this to anybody listening to for your church. I mean, it's their platform is is really the best, I think, for putting sermons up there and getting them out there to a broader audience. So. And it's definitely more of a ministry and not so much just a money making thing. It's it's very affordable. So let's bring this <laughs> to a semi landing because uh, we've fallen down the rabbit hole. Let's talk about um, transhumanism or futurism, whatever you want to call it, and the Christian worldview. Now, obviously, there's some contradiction there, so let's lay this out for our our listening audience. Why aren't these systems compatible uh, in in their philosophical suppositions? And I would just point out, there's, there's at least four underpinning ideas there that are going to run counter to Christianity, First off is humanism, right? It's in the very word, and humanism is man is the measure of all things. He creates his own destiny. He uh, defines his morality and so on. And then, of course, there's atheism. I don't need God, which, um, Dennis, you touched on. Uh, materialism is definitely uh, underpinning that, which is the idea that uh, we don't have a soul, that we're just molecules and we're just matter, and um, so we can manipulate that any way that we want to. And then uh, the idea there of utopianism, that we can forge our own destiny and our own future through the use of science and technology and create this paradise on earth uh, with our own hands. So those are at least four contradictions that I would point out with Christianity. And I want to hear from you guys um, why this is dangerous. Um, We've already hit on it 
practically, but let's hit on it theologically. Theologically, I think the biggest problem is is the definition that you read talks about changing the human condition. And so we would fundamentally disagree with a transhumanist on what the human condition actually is. So, for instance, from a humanistic perspective, the human condition in the sense of things like poverty, war, famine, injustice, all of those things that we see are symptoms of, uh, of a lack of intelligence or uh, physical capabilities, which comes from, arises from humanism and materialism, like you said, Derek. So the solution is um, if my body is stronger and if my brain is smarter, then that fixes the the problems of society. It, it fixes these things. You know, if I can uh, create different crops or if I can work longer or if I can earn more money or if I can learn more, that somehow that's going to solve these kind of issues. Whereas the biblical worldview would say the fundamental underlying human condition is sin and no amount of self-modification is going to remove that. That 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 is, that is a, inextricably tied to who you are as a human being. And so from a worldview perspective, um, the, the issue that we would have with transhumanism is not, you know, uh, even can a Christian enhance their body with technology? I think that's a different topic. I think the question is, is that their hope? Is that their gospel that the solution to my problems in life is going to be technology? The answer is no. The scripture is clear that no, there, there is no hope of salvation in technology, there's no hope of salvation in uh, intelligence or physical ability or anything like that. That you have no ability whatsoever to improve the the problems with humanity. But to piggyback on that, I think we can add another ism, and that's despotism. That you have to have someone that's managing that technology. Someone is going to take advantage of it. You've got these elites, the you know these intellectual masterminds that that are whether machines or men using machines that that are going to do that and to me you've got illustrations there in 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 the two babylons you've got mm-hmm. ancient tower of babel genesis and, 11 and we see what god thought about that kind uh-huh. of utopianism and despotism nimrod and then whether you believe it's symbolic or real that you've got the beast and the you know the book of revelation and that new babylon against the same thing that's that's recurring there and so i see society moving that direction it's anti-god there's one king there's one sovereign and and man is trying to supplant that sovereign by using Mm -hmm. the machine and the technology Mm -hmm. i think we can enjoy technology yeah it's a tool right yeah it's how you use it it just cannot be like critical race theory it just cannot be (laughs) an idol i mean that's the problem it can't be like you said our hope you you know because i you know i remember my dad in the 90s i'm gonna pick on him he listens every now and then. But in, in the early, early 90s, um, the internets first started coming online. and We're not getting no internet. No one's ever going to use that internet. <laughs> I remind him as he's constantly on the internet. But anyway, so it's, it's like we can enjoy technology. We can, we can embrace technology. We, you know, like it is a tool, but it cannot become an idol. And I think some of this transhumanism stuff that, man, my hope, man, if I can, escape this reality and, and find my identity in this cartoon character, 
then then oh there's my hope but man that that's not changing your heart right that's not changing it's just like an addiction with a drug or you're trying to find a, a an out to reality and reality's real and you can't so anybody else chris you want to jump in one more time i'm i'm just i was thinking along the same lines that you were dennis you know about you know what god said at the tower of babel because you see these people uniting together to build you know, this system of, of belief and the desire to elevate themselves. Um, and then, you know, the same thing with what you see in, in the book of Revelation, you know, depending on where you fall in your eschatology and all those things, you, you kind of wonder, you know, and years and years ago, people kind of wondered how, how could the world fall under a one world system where everything was controlled, you know, by this one leader. And it's like, can you see things like this and you begin to understand that it's, it's a, it's a very real reality, yeah. you know, that now that something could happen that, that everybody on the world in, in the world um, with the access of the internet. I remember when, when I was in uh, Bangladesh a few years ago, you would be in some of the most poor regions of that country where these people lived in things that we wouldn't even call sheds, but yet they had a cell phone. Same yeah. thing in Honduras. Right. You know, it's yeah. like, and so you, you realize that now it's like, that's the infiltration of technology. And that's where the danger comes in. It's like, it's like the people can be so subtly controlled by those things sometimes without even realizing it. Yeah. Yeah. What about the image of the beast that's actually talking and conversing? And we could certainly have that discussion, yes. uh, but all of that depends on how you want to interpret the passage there. And I think that's what Revelation thirteen. But it uh, is fascinating. It is, and I you can if if that is your eschatological persuasion, <laughs> easy for you to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Then uh, you can certainly see those connections um, if you believe that those events in the Book of Revelation are described in that future. Um. So that we could have that discussion later, but we want to bring this to a close and um, basically just say that uh, this is here. The future is now, uh, as the saying goes. And so we need to be having these discussions uh, around the dinner table with our, our Sunday school class and, and however God leads us in, in our churches uh, because I think, friends, we are entering a brave new world. And just like Revelation ends, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast. And be sure to subscribe and review. They look at me funny when I talk like I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than bass the president. I see brothers coughing, so I hit them with the medicine. On the other side, they say their grass is greener. Seen the four. Cast men they call him for Katrina.